instruction real quick as we continue in an atmosphere and an attitude of worship. If you're new to Northlake, we are glad you're here. We want to welcome you today. Uh, my name is Pastor Spencer. I'm the worship pastor here, and uh, prayer is something that we value at Northlake. It's something that we um, don't think happens by accident. It's one of our core values here, and so we want to leave intentional time and space for you today and, and really just invite you to press into the Spirit this morning. If you're here and you say, um, you know, I don't specifically need anybody praying over me. I just want to be with God. I want to be in his presence to enter into that holy of holies and allow him to embrace you today. We want to leave space and intentionality for that. We ask you to come on to the right side over here. It just tells our prayer team that you just want to be left to be with Jesus. This front area is open to you. And, and if you're here and you say, you know, actually, I would like some prayer. I would like some people coming around me. I'm going through something, or maybe you just had a victory in your life and you want to celebrate that with some of our prayer team. We would be happy to pray with you, um, to just come around you today to support you. If that's you, we ask you to come on the left side over here. Again, it tells our prayer team that they're allowed to come around you and just to lift you up today. But as we continue to sing to our God, Let's let Thank this next you, song just uh, be a declaration of our freedom and our new newness of life 
in Jesus. That as we press into his presence, as we press into his spirit on a daily basis, that we find wholeness, that we find life that we can't otherwise tap into. Lord, we thank you today. Lord, that you're the giver of life. You're the author of life. And that God, you give us every breath. And yet you were willing to step into our place, God, in order to bridge the gap that we couldn't. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Head that once was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now. The Savior knelt to wash our feet. Now at His feet we
things possible Lord you redeem us Lord in spite of our our shortcomings Lord where we couldn't bridge the gap you did Lord you brought us back from death to life in you we thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you oh God
so much farther than just singing. It goes so much farther than even just being here on a Sunday morning and, and engaging in, in worship and in praise with other congregants and engaging in relationship with each other. 
but that our very lives would be lived, Lord, to worship you. That's our desire. So I think we just need to let the music fade for a second and just sing this out. Let this be just the cry of our heart as we sing this again. To worship you I live To worship you I live I live to worship you We worship you To worship you I live To worship you I live I live to worship you be our lives, Lord. Oh, to worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. Thank you, Jesus. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to God, with our hearts, we want to express that to every person around us, Lord, that our very existence is to worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. God, I pray as we enter into the next part of our service, Lord, that you would just it, that God, your spirit would go with us, that this would not be a moment where we then keep your spirit in worship time or keep your spirit somehow when the music's there and then as the minute the music stops, God, we just check out, Lord, that we would engage, we'd continue to push in because you have something unique and special to say to us today. 
God, our ears are open to you. In Jesus' name. Good morning, North Lake. It is good to see you this morning. Hey, we are entering our summertime, and uh, if you're here visiting with us today, we would love to have a record of your visit. In front of you, there is a connection card. We would love to have you fill that out. We also would like to send you a gift and let you know we're glad you're here. We also say, if you do not have a home church, if you're looking for some place to be, we pray that you would consider North Lake Church. We are excited about the Lord, excited about what he's doing and reaching our community. So we invite you to fill one of those out. We would love to send you that free gift and get to know you a little bit better. Uh, hey, again, we are in the middle of our summer. Our summertime is one of the greatest opportunities that we have to impact our community, to reach it for the Lord. The last uh, uh, eight years, we have kind of changed, and it's been a great change as we've gone away from just the traditional church picnic to an actual outreach, and we are doing it again this year. Last year, we served over 400 hamburgers and hot dogs down at Crown Park on the 4th of July. It is an awesome opportunity for us to engage our community and connect. And this is what we're asking you to do. We are going to have a table there with some North Lake things for you to pick up and, and uh, give to people. But this is what you need to hear from your pastor's heart. We do not want you to simply bring them over and stick something in their hand. We want you to engage. We want you to interact with them. We want you to, not for any alternative motive, but to do it for the Lord. Do it to because people matter to God. And so already you have so many of you that have signed up for food. Uh, some of you said you did not get this last week. We're going to send it around again. And then on the back page... We are in need of about 10 larger coolers for all of our meat, for all of the things that we need to cool at the park. So would you please make sure if you have a cooler that you would look at that sheet as well. And uh, Brian, I'm going to give it to you and have you uh, send that around. Thank you. If you've already signed this, we're not asking you to sign twice, okay? <laughs> but if you haven't, we would love to have you engage. And then the last thing I'm going to ask you to do is wear your North Lake. Wear your colors. Make sure we want to see. Last year it was so awesome as we saw just a sea of blue shirts. <laughs> it was awesome. And uh, we want uh, the community to know that we love them. And uh, it's very interesting. You know, the first time that we went and did this, uh, about eight years ago, we went door to door and handed them a slip of paper that invited them to the park. And I have to tell you, I've never been one for going door to door, but you should have seen some of the responses we got. <laughs> but I want, and, the, and they weren't all good. Most of them were not. But I tell you, the community 
is expecting us to be there. They have loved this. It took a few years for them to try to get to know really what we were about. What did we want? And we just said we want to bless the community. You know, the word of God in Jeremiah says, bless the community you're in because it goes well for you if we do it. So we need to engage. We need to make sure that we are blessing our city. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, then I also want to talk to you about an opportunity. We've been talking to you about this for uh, the last uh, several weeks. We are getting ready to send 30 youth and children to camp. And we're asking you to participate with us. Uh, as we do that, you know, sometimes especially parents that have more than one child, it can get a little expensive. Would you please, you've been given an envelope there. What we're asking you to do is uh, slip something in that envelope as the Lord is leading you. I know we've been talking about this for several weeks. Would you make sure that you take a, a moment, fill one of those out. We're believing the Lord for $1,700 to help supplement and off. Uh, set the costs that are coming up for both children and youth we're taking this offering for. So God bless you as you get ready to do that. And uh, with that, we have a camp video that we would like to show you. makes you want to go to camp, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, so the ushers are coming at this time. Again, if it's just a regular tither envelope, a tither offering, you don't need to put it in there. But if it's for camp, would you use that envelope? God bless you, gentlemen, as you come. Lord, right now, we just take a, a moment to thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to give to you, to give to your kingdom. Lord, it is about you. North Lake belongs to you. We thank you for every child and every youth that this is going to reach for eternal purposes. God, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, good morning, Northlake. We got a lot. It's a packed Sunday today. So I get the honor and privilege of celebrating our graduates today. Obviously, graduation just happened uh, this last week. Uh, and so and we're excited about our students that are moving into the next phase of kind of um, pursuing uh, jobs and, and really their, their purpose of, of how God's going to use them in the future. So I'd like to invite a few people to actually come uh, up on stage with me real quick, and then we're going to actually just say a word of prayer over them. If I could have A.J. Swan come up here real quick. Um, and then if I can also have Ariel Russell, if she's here. Come on up, Ariel. <laughs> And then uh, Ian Pinch, if I can have. <laughs> We're excited for these guys uh, and, uh, and the, the next phase of life that they're entering. Um, but we want to and recognize again that prayer is such a vital part of how we as the church get behind these guys. Uh, I'd encourage you guys, if you have not connected with them specifically, please do so. Uh, mentor mentorship is a huge part of, of how we learn and how we grow. Um, and so pour into these guys, encourage them in any way you can, uh, and let's just have a word of prayer over them today. Lord, we just pray for these graduates right now, Lord, as they are um, either going to school, many of them, or, or reaching out into the next stage, uh, whether it be, Lord, a, a job situation, Lord, or... Um, pursuing, Lord, their, their bigger purpose, Lord. We pray that you would uh, give them uh, grace under pressure, Lord. Um, we pray that, Lord, as they begin to take on challenges that are new and, um, and sometimes daunting, Lord, that you would uh, give them strength and courage. Um, God, we pray that you would um, just be an encouragement and help us to be an encouragement to them, recognizing that we want them to know that we are behind them um, and that they are uh, uh, built and designed, Lord, by you with an uh, intention and a purpose, God, that you don't um, leave us to wonder uh, what our 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 purpose should be, Lord, that you would give them clarity as they go out um, and just a, a drive to be able to see your bigger picture accomplished, Lord. Um, we thank you for that, and we thank you for these graduates, each and every one of them, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thank you, guys. Congratulations on graduation. And I have the honor of inviting Camille, if she would come up, no longer Jenkins. And by the way, would you congratulate Chris and Camille? <laughs> and Camille, you're graduating from Wazoo, right? And would you tell us what you're doing? Uh, I majored in environmental science and I have a minor in zoology. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> That's an awesome thing. Well, if you'll allow me, I know, Brian, forgive me. It just works better for me. <laughs> it works better for me. Uh, That's the long legs, I guess. My wife talks about all the time. <laughs> uh, transitions. Uh, we are here, and unfortunately, I have the uh, responsibility of announcing this transition, so I'm going to ask that Spencer and Danica come up. Uh, they have been in uh, deep prayer, and they are believing that they are hearing the Lord call them. And we don't know exactly where uh, yet, but we are thanking the Lord for seasons. Uh, again, I want to say to you, 
God is a God of uh, seasons and times and appointed uh, times. And uh, we have thanked God for all of the time that we've had. And they are getting ready to launch out into uh, what they believe that the Lord is asking them to do. And so we are going to uh, pray over them, ask the Lord to be with them. I know that we are going to miss them. Uh, obviously, no one's going to miss them more than Jill and I. And uh, and the boys that, by the way, uh, we have another grandchild on the way, and it's a boy. <laughs> and so uh, I just have to say uh, it, it has been my honor uh, the last uh, two and a half years to not only uh, been your dad, but to have been your lead pastor. And you, both of you have been such a blessing. I love you both, and we pray over you knowing that the Lord has got good things. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, right now, I thank you for Spencer and Danica. Lord, I thank you for Reuben and Cyrus. I thank you for Jethro, Lord, on the way. <laughs> Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you will bless them. God, I pray wherever it is that you have for their feet to go, anoint them with your spirit. I pray, O oh God, that you will not just lead them to ministry, but open doors of opportunity by the power of your spirit. God, may they begin and continue hearing your voice like never before. And God, may they be anointed in their ministry, I pray, in their giftings, in their talents. Use them for the glory of the kingdom of God wherever it is, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, it's been an honor uh, to serve alongside of uh, this great team and staff, um, and we just are blessed uh, to be able to have uh, led you in in worship and led your students for as long as we have. Um, we love you guys. Um, Danica and I uh, have talked about this before. If you have any any questions for us, we'd be happy to answer those. And, and really throughout this process, you'll probably have more uh, that come up later. So continue to be in dialogue with us. Uh, this is just the beginning of the conversation, but uh, we love you guys, uh, and that won't change. So. Uh, it'll be July 29th will be our, our final Sunday here, correct? Yeah. Well, I am honored to be able to introduce our guest speaker. He was at Men's Retreat, and uh, you uh, already have heard me talk about there are moments uh, in your life where the Lord will do something, and uh, the Lord worked through uh, the vessel of uh, Dr. Thomas that weekend, and I, I will tell you, uh, I will never seek God the same way uh, I have been changed, and uh, it, it has been a wonderful, glorious thing that the Holy Spirit is doing in me, and a deepening of His Spirit that I sense, and it's been awesome. What a privilege uh, it is uh, to have met Patty and Eden. Uh, great to have you, Dr. Thomas's family here. And Dr. Thomas, uh, uh, David, if I can, because he threatened to call me Reverend Grant, and I don't want that to happen. <laughs> you don't ever want that to be said, okay? <laughs> but it is an honor to have you here. What a blessing. God bless you. Come and give us the Word of God.
Thank you. And, um, you know, you were doing that Dr. Thomas stuff again, and I, I, I was Pastor Brian. Uh, I, 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 I'm going to walk in the forgiveness of the Lord. And, and so, praise be to God. Well, it certainly is uh, a pleasure and a privilege to be here with, with all of you. Um, we, uh, uh, my wife and uh, my family, uh, have had different seasons of ministry in different uh, different venues and uh, different uh, different areas of the country and the world. We um, we met uh, while I was serving on staff at a large Assembly of God church in Louisville, Kentucky. I was. I was finishing my, I was finishing my seminary work for my master's degree, and um, we ended up going uh, as missionaries, served for 15 years uh, as Assembly of God missionaries in Latin America, and then transitioned to pastoring in Southern California. And then six years ago, God called us up here, and in my first uh, my first semester, one of my very first classes, I met Spencer, and uh, and uh, he was. Uh, you know, honestly, uh, people talk about, boy, I can talk about professors who are dear to me and special to me. All are important, but some are kind of stand out. But it's interesting being on the other side where you're the professor and there's some students that stand out. I've taught many, many students, um, but Spencer was a standout right from the beginning, the hand of God, very evident on him and uh, was a blessing. And uh, the, the one down, uh, the one down aspect is I only had him for a year and um, I mean there's other students that I, because I teach in uh, both biblical studies and intercultural studies missions um, I have some students in, in both types of classes and so some students rack up uh, a lot of a lot of time with me and I haven't had that privilege with uh, with Spencer but uh, bless you and Danica and I know that you hear from God and you seek to hear from God and God is going to guide and bless you and the anointing of this of this uh, body goes with you and covers you. So, well, uh, praise God. I uh, I want to share with you this morning uh, from the Word of God. And if you have your Bible, uh, I'd like you to turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter four, Luke, uh, the fourth chapter. And I'm going to read, beginning in verse sixteen. Read through verse. 21. I'm reading from the ESV, English Standard Version, so if you've got a different version, uh, it might read a little bit differently, but the gist is going to be the same. So I'm going to read, and then, then we'll pray. Luke 4.16, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit present in so many giftings and manifestations, Lord, to uh, anoint us, to worship, 
uh, present during prayer, but Lord, you're also the great teacher who guides us into all truth, and we ask that your Holy Spirit would manifest in that teaching anointing and would guide us into paths of righteousness for your name's sake, guide us and direct us, Lord, uh, and open beautiful things uh, in your word that we might see them, and we pray it in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Now, this is a wonderful passage. It's toward the beginning of the uh, Gospel of Luke. Uh, in context, uh, Jesus has already been baptized by John the Baptist. He has uh, been uh, guided. Uh, some, ver- some, uh, some of the Gospels actually say driven uh, into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be put to the test by the devil. Uh, He's 40 days in the wilderness being tested by the devil. He passes that test as kind of an undoing of the failures of the people of Israel. 40 years in the wilderness, uh, Jesus comes and he does it right. Uh, And then he comes out and he's under the power of the Spirit. He returns to Galilee uh, and he's already carrying a reputation. If you read verses 14 and 15, he's, uh, he's visiting different towns and different uh, synagogues, Galilee is kind of a, a different area. You might might be able to say like Washington State. There are sort of, there's Western Washington, there's Highlands, and then there's High Desert and Lowlands and so forth. That's kind of the way Galilee is. Uh, the the area where he ends up settling is Lowlands. It's by the Sea of Galilee. But now he returns to the Highlands, to the Judean Highlands of Galilee, and he's there in uh, his hometown of Nazareth, and he's received. Uh, and he, uh, he is appointed, and this is a little bit different for us, the way we do church and the way a synagogue would work would be a little bit different, but you can kind of read between the lines here in the book of Acts that anybody with sort of standing, it doesn't necessarily be that they're recognized as sort of an ordained minister or something like that, like we're kind of recognizing here today, uh, but somebody with standing of any kind uh, would have been welcomed, and, and, and we don't know the specifics, but the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and Jesus specifically looks, it says he specifically found the place where it was written, uh, this passage. And he reads this passage from uh, Isaiah. And to understand really what he's getting to, uh, both in his intent when he says, uh, today this, uh, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, and ultimately the reaction of the people and, and the conversation that follows, we need to read more from that fuller passage. So I'm going to turn over to Isaiah 61, where it is found, and I'm going to read the first seven verses. Now I want to tell you, the whole of Isaiah 61 is kind of a unit that speaks to the issue that Jesus was speaking, but for the sake of time and economy, I'm just going to read the first seven verses, or, or uh, about half the chapter, a little bit more than half. And this is, uh, this is what it says. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give to them a beautiful headdress, instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. 
They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. Now, let me explain a little bit about the dynamics of that time and how, uh, how this would have impacted uh, his hearers as, uh, as Jesus read this passage. Now, uh, first of all, uh, the chapters and the verses were not included uh, in the scripture passages. Like we've referred, I was able to easily refer, go to Luke chapter 4, go to Isaiah chapter 61. How many know those verse, chapters and verses weren't there originally, right? Those were put in many, many years later. It was during the late medieval period. Practically, really, in even just the history of the Christian church, practically over the past 2,000 years, only the last third of that time or so uh, have people used chapters and verses. Previously, uh, the text of Scripture had no chapters and verses. But that doesn't mean that people weren't aware of how to go to a certain place. The way that you would go to a certain place was you would just quote the, uh, the initial passage, the opening verse or two, what we would call verse. If it were a psalm, it'd be a stanza. Uh, actually, Isaiah is also in verse. A lot of the pro uh, prophetic books are in verse. And so just reading the beginning, those societies, because they didn't have, uh, a whole, matter of fact, uh, obviously they didn't have printing presses, and so everything was hand copied. Uh, they didn't have all sorts of the technological gadgets that we use uh, for memory devices. They, they call that kind of society a mnemonic society, it's a society that, that dealt with a lot more oral tradition. People were a lot more memory based. Even common people would keep things memorized. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Old Testament, which is three times as long as the New Testament, is written in Hebrew, and Hebrew has no vowels in it. Right? It's only consonants. And so if you're raised up and you're being trained uh, to read the scriptures, how do you know how to pronounce it? You know by memory, which means that Hebrew scribes and anybody who's trained in the scriptures at all, as Jesus clearly was, uh, was uh, very familiar with the scriptures, he would have had the entire Old Testament memorized syllable by syllable. Not just word by word, syllable by syllable. That's a different kind of society than we think about, but there are vestiges of that in our society, and I'm kind of making a point here. Now, if I were to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, what do you say? Yeah, right, immediately the next verse comes into mind. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, that's one of our more familiar passages, but the, the Hebrew culture of Jesus' day, they would have had much of the Old Testament uh, memorized, committed to memory that same way. So all Jesus has to do is read the beginning of the passage and the rest of it is triggered in their mind, right? So they, it just kind of, in the whole program of that entire prophetic word, that whole oracle of Isaiah unfolds in their mind, right? So I'm not out of bounds uh, to go and read the rest of it because that would have occurred to them. Jesus would have been like, no, I'm just going to talk about this right here. The whole thing would have been understood to them and would have been triggered. 
The other thing that I want to say that they would have known and Jesus would have intended was they would have known something that is not originally or immediately aware to us, and we've already got it up uh, on the screen, and that is this passage is referring to that Old Testament truth and concept that's known as the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee. Now, to understand what the year of Jubilee is, right, so we're reading Luke 4, and in Luke 4, it refers to Isaiah 61. We read Isaiah 61, and Isaiah 61 is referring back to a previous truth. And that truth is found in Leviticus 25. Don't worry, I'm not going to go and read all of Leviticus 25. But I'm just going to tell you what this is about. In the midst of all the different laws, uh, Leviticus is, is uh, one of those books that's very rule-heavy. It's talking about all the, all the uh, sacrifices. And has anybody ever read uh, Leviticus all the way through? read Leviticus all the way through. I'm not going to make you show hands how many have not read Leviticus all the way through, uh, but I just want to warn you ahead of time, you're going to get to heaven, and Moses is going to come up to you, and he's going to say, I wrote Leviticus. Did you read it? It's going to be a very embarrassing moment for you, Um, if you haven't read everything that Moses wrote. So I encourage you to get down to business and read Leviticus. I I have to admit, it's been a while since I've read the whole book. Uh, But uh, there's great power, actually, in that book because, number one, it gives you an indication of the importance of what Jesus has done for us in the cross. And the other thing is, it's filled with types and shadows of the realities of the New Testament. Uh, At times it reads a little bit like a meat market, but we, we like barbecues anyway, so that's okay. This particular section, Leviticus 25, talks about justice and it talks about the way things are going to work when Israel goes in and takes the land, right? So this ultimately happens under Joshua. They go in and they take the land and the land is to be divided up by lot, okay? And each, uh, Israel in those days was very clannish, right? So you had tribes, the 12 tribes, Right? Uh, the Levites didn't get any portion because the Lord was their portion. So you had the 11 tribes. And then uh, they were broken up into clans and then individual families and so forth. And each uh, first tribe and then within each tribal area, clans and families would get uh, lots. And the word lot originally comes, like this is the lot of land that I have, that originally comes from the idea of drawing lots or casting lots to determine fairly who gets what. Okay? So uh, the situation is this, there's a recognition in the midst of that, that there is going to be inequality that comes in. We live in a fallen world, it's just what happens over the course of time. Some people acquire more wealth, some people fall on hard times, and uh, land can be uh, sold off. Uh, Not only that, but in those days, if people fell into debt, they could sell themselves into slavery. Now, this is a different type of slavery than is the the concept that we have with our American history and the the South and the Civil War. This is more of what we would call an indentured servitude. Uh, This is where people, uh, they basically say, I'll work for you so many years for for this debt, right? Now, the deal is, Leviticus describes how Uh, People are to work for six years, and then in the seventh year, there's a Sabbath year. And in that Sabbath year, there's a certain sort of easing of those burdens, right, and a a leveling of of the course. But after seven sevens, there's what we would call a super Sabbath year. And this year was called the year of Jubilee. 
Now, there's actually debate among, uh, among scholars whether it's the 49th year or whether there is an indeed a 50th year. Most people talk about the 50th anniversary being the Jubilee anniversary, but in terms of the biblical idea and how it would have been practiced, there's some debate. But there's no debate about what, uh, what this uh, was to be, what this was meant to be. Uh, anybody who was in slavery, that, that indentured servitude, was immediately freed. It didn't matter how much debt put them into that position, that condition. Now it's done. It's over. The debt is completely canceled. The credit cards are cut up. Uh, the line of credit is forgiven at the bank. The car is paid off. I mean, how many, am I ringing your bell yet? I mean, this is like... Bam, right? The church mortgage is burned. I mean, everything, like, it's, it's done, right? All debts are canceled, uh, and everybody is set free. Not only that, but that original allotment of land is restored. Right, so now, if I were a situation, if I were a man in a situation where I fell on hard times or what have you, and I had to sell off my land and I had to indenture myself and servitude, that kind of slavery, uh, then not only am I freed, but my land is restored to me, that, and land is wealth, right? That's how I can feed my family. That's how, so it's this immediate justice. It's this leveling. Whatever uh, person might have gotten the upper hand, uh, maybe even unjustly, now that's equalized. And, and this is meant to be a time of great rejoicing. Now, the word jubilee originally comes from a Hebrew word, which means ram's horn. So the whole idea would be, uh, if you read carefully, uh, on the Day of Atonement, right, which is, uh, the Day of Atonement is, uh, according to the Jewish calendar, is a lunar calendar, so it's, it, that day shifts. But basically it's mid to late September, according to our measure. In that time, on the Jubilee year, whether it's the 49th or 50th, whichever way you want to interpret the scripture, uh, the, the high priest would order that the ram's horn, right, that we call it the shofar, that would have been trumpeted. It would have been blown, and it says it's to be blown throughout the land. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that one person, you know, he's like, okay, I'm going to go into training on this thing, and I'm going to blow the trumpet, and I'm going to run the marathon, and I'm going to blow it? No, that's not the way it would have worked. It would have been a priest that goes uh, to a high place where the, the sound can echo, and he would blow that trumpet, and everybody would know that it's coming, right? People would have been already gathered at the Day of Atonement, but the trumpet would have been like a, like a, a relay race of sound, right? So the trumpet sounds, and then the next person who's farther away, they hear it, and they blow the trumpet, and so you'd hear it almost be like an echo, like a, like a reverse pebble in the pond, like a concentric fist that blows and then blows, and you hear the sound, through, and it would travel throughout the land, and that is the jubilee, right? That is the ram's horn sounding. Now, interestingly, from the Hebrew, the Greeks borrowed that word, and then the Latin, uh, Latin speakers borrowed the word, and then it leaked into uh, our language through French. And so we say, uh, I feel jubilant, or jubilation, that all of those words have their root in the idea of the ram's horn. It's meant to be this time of, how could it not be a time of incredible celebration, liberation, uh, of, of, of joy, and boy, it isn't one of these things where a dab will do you, man. It lasts for a year. Yeah, 
I mean, it's a celebration that lasts for a year. It's a tremendous, tremendous blessing. Now, sounds good, doesn't it? How many would like to be part of that, right? <laughs> Glory be to God. Now, let me just say this. It never happened. Scholars debate about what the cycle would have been, but it's all moot. And we know that it's moot because in Leviticus chapter 26, God warns, God warns the people. He says, if you don't follow my commands, I'm going to send you into exile. And while you're in exile from the land, the land will have its rest. It will have its Sabbath rest. And as long as I need to, I'm going to keep you in exile to have the land rest. Because he's recognizing, if you're going to be chasing after other gods and doing this other stuff, you're not going to be practicing the Sabbath. Read the very last verses of 2 Chronicles, and that's exactly what it says. While the Israelites went into, into exile in Babylon, the reason why they had to be so long there, and Daniel was there praying, God, that was the word of the Lord through Jeremiah. Why isn't this fulfilled? Why aren't we? It's because the Sabbath years had to be fulfilled. If you don't practice the every seven-year Sabbath, you're never going to get to the super Sabbath. You follow what I'm saying? You have to do the seven-year cycles seven times. It doesn't appear like they ever really did maybe even two or three in a row. We're not even really sure how many they did. But the fact of the matter is they never, they never had the faith to practice that God was going to provide in the seventh year when they rested. That, they were supposed, that was the law. Hey, look, God's going to give you enough in the sixth year to where you can let the land lie fallow and rest and have its Sabbath, and then God's going to prosper you. There's no indication that it ever happened. And that's part of the reason why, ha why they had to go into exile. So this is what makes the prophecy of Isaiah so powerful because he's talking, I mean, leave aside for a moment what, how Jesus uses it, just that Isaiah prophesies it because Isaiah is the prophet who is prophesying return from exile. And, and he's basically saying, look, you're going to return and I'm going to give you the Jubilee. I'm going to give this to you. Now, here's what happens. Jesus asked for Isaiah, well and good. Reads the passage, well and good. It causes that sort of memory-triggered recall in their mind. They, they, they're going to remember, maybe not all of them, but many of them are going to, oh, you, okay, yeah, this is, uh, this, is this passage uh, from Isaiah. And, and that would have triggered it, all right, good, he's talking this way. Here's what the stumbling stone comes in. Jesus says, today, this passage is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, what is he talking about you can imagine and you don't really have to imagine because you can read how they become scandalized afterwards like there's I mean we read on the surface hey they're scandalized because hey this is Joseph's son I mean he's the builder carpenter guy I mean he's you know I mean he, he put an addition onto my house here I mean he's uh, he's he's this general contractor dude and 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 here he is he's speaking so powerfully and eloquently but you have to understand what's going on in the passage to understand what a significant part of that scandal was. A significant part of that scandal was, he said, this is fulfilled. Now read Leviticus 25. Number one, it happens in the 50th year. It wasn't that year. Number two, it happens on the Day of Atonement. It wasn't the Day of Atonement. Number three, it happens from Jerusalem. They were in Galilee. And number four, it's from the high priest 
And here's this homespun carpenter dude saying it's fulfilled in your hearing. And so they're scandalized. Part, why, why, where does the scandal come from? How does the scandal arise? There's a, there's a couple of things going on here. I recall the passage where God calls Moses. And Moses does his thing and struggles, and there's that whole thing at the burning bush, and then ultimately he submits to the call of God on his life, and God sends him Aaron, and they go uh, to the people of Israel, and they declare um, freedom to them. And uh, at first they're like, wow, okay, we're, we're down with that. That's great. We're, sign me up for freedom. But then the first resistance comes from Pharaoh, and what do they say? The Lord judge you to Moses. The Lord judge you because you've brought trouble upon us. And, and, and God puts the word of the Lord in Moses' Aaron mouth uh, to, to speak. But you know what the word says? It says, they could not hear because of the brutality of the slavery that they were under. Now, you have, to, you have to understand what it would have been like for the people of Jesus' day. When they came back from exile, you can get a glimpse of this when you read the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah says, we're, we don't even own our own bodies. We don't even own our own land. We're still, we're back, yes, you've sent us back, but we're still really slaves. We're still under the thumb of the Persian Empire, right? And after the Persian Empire, then came the Greeks. That's why the New Testament is written in Greek and the Romans are in charge because the Greeks overthrew the Persians and then the Romans overthrew the Greeks. And, but, but the bottom line is you got Gentiles, godless idol worshipers who are in charge of the land. And there's more inequity than ever. Read between the lines of the New Testament. There were super wealthy, un unbelievably wealthy people that had this, it was this inverted pyramid where there's all these people with the, with, that have uh, uh, wealth Right, But it's, it's really a precious few, and then the vast majority of the people are just very, very poor. And the idea, they, they, they had kind of, you can imagine that the, the idea of the Jubilee would have almost taken on kind of a mythical, legendary status for them. Like, like the glory years of David and Solomon. Some, and there were, Judaism had been split up into different groups. You had some that were like, let's just cooperate with the Romans and make the best of it. Those were the Sadducees, the priests. And then the Pharisees were like, well, we, we're going to have to do the best we can. We don't agree with kind of collaborating with them, but we're going to kind of be salt and light as best we can in the land. And that was the, the Pharisees. And the Essenes, uh, they were like uh, almost like monks, right? Almost like John the Baptist types. And they were, they just checked out, right? And then you had the, you had the, the zealots were like, let's kill them. <laughs> let's just kill them. But they all had different ideas of how to work it out. There was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of upheaval. There was a lot of hunger and thirst for the kingdom of God and for God to break in and to do something. But the problem is when the word came, they couldn't hear it because they were under the oppression, just like the Israelites. They were under this oppression. And it's a crazy thing, but I've experienced it over and over again at an individual level, at a level of bodies of believers where the word of deliverance comes. Here comes Jesus. He's on the donkey. He's coming into Jerusalem. And there's an initial, way. Well, yeah, this is great. But then when it gets down to it, they're like, crucify him. Because they can't, they can't 
grapple with the bracing word of liberation that is coming. They just, they just struggle with it. Right? The other thing that scandalized them was their religion. Now, that's the crisis that's bigger than the answer. The crisis they're in that's, is, becomes bigger than God's solution to that crisis. But the other thing is, is their religion. Their religion itself. Well, wait a minute. This is, you know, it's got to be the Day of Atonement. It's got to be the priest. And he's not the right guy. And it's not the right place. And, and they're, they're, they're doing this technicality game thing. And it's keeping them from recognizing something that's happening. Jesus said, this is fulfilled in your hearing because he was speaking according to a new economy. He was speaking according to the inbreaking power of the kingdom of God. New covenant realities that were already in play in his person. What he was saying is, the, the, the year of Jubilee is no longer attached to the law. I'm going to say it again. The year of Jubilee, the realities of the year of Jubilee are no longer attached to the law. They're no longer attached to the realities of Leviticus. They're no longer attached to the old covenant, the priesthood, the sacrifices. The new covenant realities mean that the year of Jubilee is attached to the incarnate Son of God. Now this is what I want to tell you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is the Jubilee. Jesus is our Jubilee. Everything that you could possibly need, everything that the year of Jubilee, the Apostle Paul says, every promise in the scriptures, and he, when, when Paul talks about scriptures, he's talking about what we call the Old Testament. He says, every promise is yes and amen in Christ. Every promise. He is the absolute fulfillment of these things. So this is what I want, this is just what I want to say to you today. This is what I want to say to you. You might be here and you might be like one of those Israelites that's, that's just, man, you've just, you've just been plastered. It just seems like you've just been beat up, coming and going, and you feel like, boy, if, if I could draw a metaphor, a comparison of my life, and, and, and the Old Testament truths that are being talked about, man, I have taken it. It has, you know, life has, it seems like it's dealt me a, a bad hand. And, and it seems like I am in some sort of an indentured servitude. It seems like I have had to sell off my land, shave it off parcel by parcel until there's practically nothing left. Maybe there is nothing left. And I just feel like I've been completely disenfranchised, spiritually speaking. Well, I want to tell you, Jesus is your jubilee. Yeah. Jesus is the jubilee. Yeah. Jesus is the one. He's the restorer. And that's, that's why the rest of Isaiah 61 talks this way. Isaiah 61 says, instead of their shame, what a sh what, the, the, the shame, right? The, it's, not, it's much greater than embarrassment. It's a deep shame to have to take the, the heritage of your fathers that your grandfather farmed, your great-grandfather farmed, and for you, now you're the one who has to sell it off. Instead of that shame, you'll get the double portion. What's the double portion mean? Double portion, whoever gets the double portion of the Old Testament means they're the heir. They're the firstborn. So that means through Jesus, you're the firstborn of God. God's going to treat you as the heir. 
God's going to treat you as the firstborn son. This means liberation for cap from captivity. This means cancellation of, of, of sin debt. This means restoration of, of, of broken heart, brokenheartedness, a sense of being captive. This has to do with, with every single aspect of your life. I want to tell you, let your faith be strong. Reach out. Take a hold of Jesus because he, he's the liberator. He's the one who sets us free. He's the one who says yes in answer to our prayers before we've even done praying them. He's that one. He's that one. How many can say amen? Hallelujah. I want us to pray. I want us to go into a time of prayer. I'd like to invite the music uh, uh, ministers to come and just, just play something and, and softly. And, and I want to I ask um, Pastor Brian to come and and, and Jill and and uh, and other uh, others that you have a, uh, appointed as ministers of prayer, and I want to I want to invite you if you if you are here and this message spoke to you, and you said, "Wow, I I need I need some of that. I just I just I just need that year of jubilee. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to break in on me. It, it, it might be that." You don't necessarily feel sort of oppressed, but you just you just say, I just want the double portion blessing. I just want an open heaven. I want the blessing of God on my life. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're saying there's something terribly wrong, but you just want that blessing. I want to invite you, while we worship, I want to invite you to come forward and pray. And we just want to bless you, touch you, and pray for you, and believe for God to, to bless your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Jesus is the Jubilee. Are you getting a hold of that? <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> Praise you, Lord! <laughs> Hallelujah. I just am going to be obedient to the Lord. If you're here, I just have to sense. I feel the Lord is saying, why didn't you come? He's asked you to come. And if you felt the Lord's tug and didn't come, I'm asking you to get up and come by faith. And He is your jubilee. If you there and you the voice of the Lord spoke to you and you had a resistance, I'm asking you to come. Hallelujah.
been hot like this. I tell you, I was, since being in Texas, <laughs> I, I, I have to say the Lord moved one time in a mighty way in Winlock, and uh, it was cold, and I, I'm just telling you, the presence of the Lord is here, and, and it's hot. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so again, I'm going to say to you, declare that Jesus is your jubilee. <laughs> Hallelujah. Walk in it. Accept in the, in the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, right now, I pray over North Lake Church, your church, Lord. God, I thank you, and I ask you to continue to move. God, your word says it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And I pray, Lord Jesus, and I thank you that the best is yet to come for your kingdom and for North Lake Church. God, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. 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 All right, North Lake, I'm encouraging you now. Now is intentional ministry. It starts now. As you go out of these walls, you are entering into intentional ministry. Be intentional with that which God has given you. Be intentional. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor as you go. Hallelujah. God bless you. I love you. Have a great week.